honest. We found that you're true, that you do not fail, that your word can never pass away. We found out that you're not a truce breaker. You're not a covenant breaker, Lord. You're the one that keeps his word. You promised that heavens and earth would pass away, but your word will never fail. And as we stood here tonight testifying that we believe that you're more than able to accomplish anything and everything that concerns me, concerns my brothers and sisters, Lord. What a peace it brings. Oh, what a joy and a comfort to know we're not just out here twisting in the wind. We're not wandering. We're not just going from pillar to post. But we're being led by your mighty strong hand. Bless our brothers and sisters here tonight, Lord. Help us to forget the things of the day. Forget the test and the trials of the week, of the month, of the year, Lord. And let us just sit at your feet, Lord, as it were, and hear your wonderful words of life. Lord, your, your microphone is showing up for service tonight. I surrender all that I am. Lord, have your way here tonight. We love you so much. We appreciate your presence in this place. We didn't just come, Lord, thinking that this might be just an empty shell of a room where other empty shells of people would be, Lord, but we come with an anticipation and expecting you to meet us here, Lord. Lord, meeting us in this place, Lord, and and, and each brother and sister walks in with that cloven tongue of fire over each one of us. Lord, and it comes into a fellowship. And once again, you keep your word that where two or three would be gathered in my name. You promise, Lord, that you would be in our midst. And you prove that once again tonight that you keep your promise. Lord, we thank you for all that you have in store for us. If we were to look at this world through a negative outlook or a negative aspect, we would be very scared. We'd be very fearful. We'd be all knotted up and and tense as can be. But Lord, there's something greater and higher that's going on right now on this planet than there's ever been done since you first created. There's a word that's come forward. There's a person that stepped forward that's, that's brought your truth, that's opened up the seals off that book. There's a, there's a one, you, Lord, that has come forward in our day to make all those mysteries to be revealed, Lord. You promised that it be the mysteries in this age would be finished and wrapped up on this day, Lord. We get to stand here tonight and be a beneficiary of it. We get to know things that Adam longed to know about. We get to know things that Solomon and Job and Micah and Habakkuk and all of our brothers and sisters from years gone by have wondered about. And you've been so kind to reveal it in our day, Lord. Let us not be distracted tonight. Let us not be thinking of other things. But let us stay so intently focused and tuned in to what you, the Holy Ghost, has for us here tonight, Lord. As we prayed in our dedication of the service again tonight, Lord God, that that you would not let one of us just stay on the threshold of the outer court to the inner court or the inner court of the Holy of Holies. But Lord, let us be ushered right into your presence, into that Shekinah glory, and let each pile of dirt here tonight, each, each lump of clay be molded even more like into your glorious image fashion us here tonight lord let your word come forth in such clarity let your faith be built up in our hearts so strongly lord that we believe every single word that proceeds from your mouth speak to your people tonight lord we remember those that are sick that are need a touch lord god that that aren't here tonight that are supposed to be here we understand satan is fighting our brothers and sisters but satan is defeated and we bind together as a body of believers and we believe that and we claim our brothers and sisters all those that you've yet to bring lord we we believe and and we claim them through your token of your holy ghost we thank you for all your mercies to us lord and we will at the close of this service lord be very sure to thank you for walking and talking with us along the way. 
In your precious and lovely name, amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. While you're standing, if you'll turn to Revelation chapter 3. Tonight will be part 11 in this voice. This voice. <clears throat> had the opportunity to, to share some things earlier today with a friend of mine that have had, uh, had to share some several things in the last year or so that is just his heart is just eat up and believed with all that was in him and he's even testifying to others of different things he was allowed to share with him about the word and you know, I was thinking about God's will and his purpose for your life and we shared that on Sunday that God wants to reveal himself to you God wants you and we say this all the time that God's not stuck with you. He's not, you know, he showed, you showed up to church tonight just because of the Wednesday night service and you had an appointment to fill and you had to get your check on the attendance board. Nothing like that. You come here because you know he's here. You know he'll meet that need. And, and he knows that, that part about you. And, and he's able to meet every need, every question that's on your heart. Whatever it might be, God is here in this room right now to answer that question. Even as, as I might be preaching to you tonight, he'll speak in between the lines and speak in between the words and he'll have a private conversation right now sitting right beside whomever you are he's that kind of a god he doesn't exist in this world he's not a, he's not bound by time or matter or space he's not bound by the fourth dimension fifth dimension sixth dimension he's so much higher than that and he can pull you out anytime he needs to and we've already been promised that he's going to pull us out as soon as we're ready i look forward to that tonight now, just one scripture before we're seated tonight. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is a very familiar scripture. I believe it's that picture there. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. <clears throat> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You may be seated tonight. If any man hear my voice. If any man hear my voice. Uh, this, this that the Lord has inspired to us to, to preach on. If, and as far as we, we reiterated on Sunday, this series is about the rapture. It's about the change of our body. It's about the, the full fruit of the resurrection. It's about what you've been sealed to. It's about that seal that's come across your life once he baptized you with the Holy Ghost. It's that promise that, that he whispered to you. He said, I keep my promise. I, I give you a promise of the resurrection of the life. I woke up this morning and he kept just repeating that over and over to me. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And, and I'm thinking, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? And as I begin to study and look into what he has for us tonight, he is the one that keeps his word. He, he made that promise. And, and I can almost see him stand there telling Martha that day. And she said, I know my, my brother's dead. And I know I see him in the general resurrection. He'll be raised up. I know those things. He said, no, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. And every time he makes that statement, it, it, it should shock you out of your reverie. It should grab you right where you're at. Because he's not talking in a past tense. He's never talking in a future tense. He's always talking right now. The I am is right now. The right now, whatever your moment, the same one that spoke to Job, the same one that walked to Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, the same God there's always been is in this room right now speaking to your heart. Amen. Same one that made that promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, in the message, um, Revelation chapter 4 is a series Brother Branham did. 
And if you've never heard it, it's, it's three um, sermons, Revelation chapter 4, part 1, 2, and 3, and then the questions and answers. If you've never heard it, you need to drop what you're doing on the way home and get to listen to it and to listen to it. And listen. it will lift you up into something you can't imagine. It, it, what God says in, in, those, in those sermons, it's just, it's, un, it's, it's just out of this world, not put together by man. You can't hear it and think it's put together by man. It's just unbelievable. In that, Brother Ram's talking about, I think it's Revelation, chapter number four, chapter four, number three, talking about, and he says this a lot throughout the message, that this verse right here, that you find that the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all there is, the one that bought you with his blood, the one that's purchased you, that's predestinated you, the one that's chosen, foreknown, and elected you, is on the outside of his own church. And the word church uh, is meant to be, and you have this in Revelation chapter three and chapter two, <clears throat> that word, the church ages, the word church is meant to be called out. That word church is meant to be called out, set aside. It's not meant to be an institution, not meant to be an organization, it was never meant to be governed or, or, or run by man. It was always meant to be governed and ruled by the Holy Ghost. Always, 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 always had a conversation with a friend of mine today that was born and raised as a Catholic and, and then another friend of mine that was as well. And, and, and they, they think that scripture we read to you recently where Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Again, the past, the present tense. Right now, God looks at one of his blood bought uh, believers, one of his sons of God and said, who do you say? Not, you know, asked about them, but who do you say? What's your testimony? What do you think about it? What would be your vote? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he tells him, he said, flesh and blood's not revealed this unto you, but your heavenly father has given this revelation to you. And upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this rock of revelation of who he is. This rock of revelation of who he is. Now, as he's given that to him, and he also he gives him the keys of the kingdom. Just another one of your brothers. That's all he was. But, but your Catholic churches, they were building their doctrines and their ordinations and all their commandments, statutes, and, and laws of man. As Constantine was putting that together, he said, I need this, I need this, I need this, and let's fit it all together. And voila, now you have the Catholic church. Never ordained by God. Never was intended by God. Always meant to be led by the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost believes every word. Believes every word. And the way you know whether or not something's of God is, do you believe every word? He, he had to tell Satan. And you think about this because you find Satan's idea is always to twist the word, always to tear the word down and, and make it diminished in your eyesight and in your heart. And, and well, I guess maybe it doesn't really mean that. Or maybe he wasn't really serious when he said such a thing as this. But Satan comes to him and, and tell him to turn these stones into bread. And, and the Lord Jesus makes this statement. He said that, 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 you know, that you, know, you should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God so how many words tonight do you need to live by if every single word you can live take one word out of the mouth of God and we make that statement just to bring it up real to our day that one word from God in this service tonight one word would change your life forever one word would change your life forever so how many words do you need see he didn't just give you one that's the thing about the more and more and more and more and more you surrender, the more you get to know him, the more you submit your life to him. It's not just redeemed. It's not just restored. It's not just built up the most holy faith. It's not just that you're his. There's so much that God has for you. And you take all you want. People take all they want. You know, even Lot was considered a penny. Lot took all he wanted. Abraham had a different impression. 
Abraham had a different, uh, a different burning in his heart. Different burning in his heart. Abraham, when those three men walked up out of the desert, Abraham's heart starts to burn within him. I met that one out there in the middle before. He looks real familiar to me. Now, I've probably felt the other two before because you can feel the presence of angels, but that one right there in the middle, I paid him tithes before. I give him all tenth of what he required. I got to have communion with that one right there. And, and that's just our brother. And I, I, I want to say that as much as I wear you out on it, every brother and every character, every uh, prophet, every, every name that's in this book that was a seed of God is just your brother and sister, which I say it like that so you understand that they're no better than you. And God is no respecter of person. He doesn't respect Abraham and, and you're down here going, no, no. He equates the same kind of value of your life, that your life, that your soul to him is worth more than 10,000 worlds. You enjoy that special tonight? I am blessed beyond measure. Every day I wake up, I'm a child of God on a good day, on a bad day, on a mediocre day, on, a, on the greatest of day. You realize that every single day you're a child of God. Every single day. Now, there are qualifications that comes with that because we share that with you many times. Just because you're seed of God, that's only one part. You go back and look at the prodigal son. You go back and look at Saul. You look at Jacob before they become Israel. All those things. But once they surrender their life to God, now God can finally use that son of God and use and prove the fruit of their lives. <clears throat> so back to the church back to the called out ones back to the set aside that you find him that created all these things on the outside of the door now there's a picture that was painted that brother Brandon remarks upon in i can't remember exactly which one i heard it in just most recently but he was telling about uh it was a very similar picture to what's on that that stained glass right there that jesus on the outside of the door knocking and when the painter painted it uh someone come behind him a critic because probably have to go through a hall of critics comes up to him and says i have a problem with everything's perfect i have a problem with that you don't have a latch or a doorknob on the outside of the door you don't have a doorknob on the outside of the door, the way the original picture was painted. No doorknob on the outside of the door. And he said, I don't like that you did it that way. He said, you must understand that it's got to be you that opens the door for him. See, he can kick that door in all day long. He can make that door disappear and never have been created. But you have to open the door to let him come in. We shared that with you recently on, on Sunday. Uh, what the Lord shared with me there here recently, that uh, you know, as far as letting myself be surrendered to him, he literally told me, get out of his way. Get out of his way. Kneel and submit and surrender to God. Get out of his way. And I think I'm just standing here, but I'm not entering in that worship like I was supposed to. I'm not completely uh, laying prostrate before his throne. I'm not surrendering all that I am. So if you were to look at that in a, in a spiritual aspect, I would imagine that I'm just trying to just get my hands against him, keeping him from moving through the room. Because you can keep him from moving through your heart. You realize that tonight? You can keep him from moving through your heart. You think about <clears throat> people make the statement, some people just won't let, some, no, won't let nobody in. Won't open your heart to them. Won't let, you've heard that phrase. They, just, they all shut off. They won't let nobody in. You realize if they won't let nobody else in, they won't let him in either. We've been guilty of the same thing, each one of us. We've shared that with you a lot about how the, however you think of your brother. If you even think about the quote that was on the board, even how you think of your worst enemy is how you think about God. Your very worst enemy is how you think about God. This voice, this voice that, that would be so real. It's over 2,000 years ago, he stood outside that grave. Over 2,000 years ago, 
And he made that statement. Now, we had a prophet come along in our day, which would be the voice of the seventh angel messenger, the Revelation chapter 10, verse 7 talks about, in the days of the voice of the one on the left, uh, in the days of the voice that was telling us about that, that the way that words are, every word you speak, it doesn't come out here and just stop. It doesn't just fall to the ground. Your word doesn't fall to the ground, that it's actually circling the earth. And that, that those first three dimensions, time, matter, and space, is where you pull radio waves out, pull TV waves out. And, and they, you know, that you know, we have right now a signal coming up to this right here. That TV is not producing those words right there. Those TV is plugging up a signal back there from that laptop. Now, your radio waves the same way. That radio doesn't have, you know, you have people thinking about witchcraft. You know, there must be a guy on the radio singing or, or the TV when they first come. Must, how do you fit those guys in there? All it is is a receiver. That's all it is is a receiver that able to pick those up. And the prophet would tell us that, that, that one day they'll be able to invent, invent a device that will be able to actually capture the words of the Lord Jesus as he stood there and spoke on the, uh, the, mount, the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount. That one day they'll create a device because those words are still running around the world. Now, now that's not hard to believe. Because what the scripture says about it, what the word of God does, and how the eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth. You can find this in the scripture. I'm not getting all fantastical and crazy. You can find this in the scripture, that God's word is such as this, that heavens and earth will pass away, but his words will never fail. If you believe that tonight. So 2,000 years ago, the I am, the one that fills all space and time, that is a present tense God, that is no different to him standing here right now as it was, we would count 2,000 years ago, was standing at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and making that statement that, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, time doesn't mean anything to him. Time is just a way for us to measure our experiences and our, our, your life and things like that. But time doesn't mean anything to God. God actually created time uh, just so that you might have the opportunity to know him. If, if this was an eternal uh, nonstop thing, and if we're all sitting here, and again, if you, we, you don't measure Time, you don't measure years if you're an eternal being. You would just say the first trillion years that we were there, or the, the first eon, or the 25 trillionth eon, or you understand? So, the way you would gauge it is that in this smaller aspect of time in my life, right now being 42 years old, in my experiences and walk of the Lord, that I had in just my short 42 years the opportunity to know that same I am that spoke those words. The same I am. Proving, like I made that statement a minute ago, that he's a present tense God. That he's the same yesterday, right now, as he will be forever. The same one. And so, when you, you, you come all these things into... So, to be able to preach on a rapture, you can't preach on a rapture about the rapturer being there. I can't preach to you that, that the rapture is going to happen. You're like, okay, that's great. Let's just... Rapture. No, the rapturer has to come present. The rapturer, the one that does this. The scriptures make the statement that the bride has made herself ready. I'm not disputing that. That part is you surrendering your life to God. That's not when you wake up in the morning, I'm just going to press myself into a body change. It don't work like that. You get up today, I trust God today. I believe God today. The scripture would say this, here a little, there a little. Here a little, there a little. Here a little, there a little. I walk a little closer. The scripture will say it like this, from glory unto glory. We'll say it like this just so we have tightened it up from a week ago Sunday to the following Wednesday. In that kind of an atmosphere, in that kind of a presence. How many more times do you think in that kind of an atmosphere do you take a body change? How many more times do you need in that kind of an atmosphere, in that kind of a presence for you to say, you know what, this robe of flesh is going to fall away and I'm just gone. 
<clears throat> so the rapturer has to be the one to do it. So as we're, we're looking at the mystery of our change or the mystery of our translation or the mystery of the culmination of the consummation of all the ages being brought together before your very eyes and the great I am, the great Elohim being unveiled for you to be able to see him simply, clearly, perfectly in your own walk with the Lord. I'm still talking about the one that created grass, that created the molecule, that created mitochondria, bacteria, all of those things, the most complex, technical being there's ever been can make himself so simple that the youngest here could understand him. That even the depth of the word that's available in this day, that the simplest, the youngest could understand. See, I believe the Lord Jesus is here right now. I believe February, again, we don't have that picture. February 28th, 1963 was the second coming of the Lord. I believe because he said, behold, I come with clouds. I believe that was the second coming of the Lord. I believe that he's the one that took the book, that pulled the seals off that book. In the week of March 17th, 1963, as those seals were opened, I believe that he has come down, stepped forward, and done that. I believe the half-hour silence is over. I believe that he is here right now perfecting his bride for the change of your atoms. And it is the rapturer, the creator, who's doing that for you. And the way that works is you surrendering your life to him. Now, and it all comes back to just as simply as, I believe it. I believe it. Now, so many things have been taught so wrong for so long because it's contrary to what the word teaches. I'm not saying that boastfully or braggartly. I'm saying that anything that's opposite of this is incorrect. And and I say it like that because there's so much out there in the, you you know how much I love this, the church world that is so contrary to this right here. And you can trace it back to when it first started coming together, the Catholic Church and then all of the harlot daughters. And they took that word and they diluted it down to where I'm guaranteed that even us sitting here that's even been in the message quite a while still has something left over from you've picked up in the years gone past. I, I guarantee us that. Guarantee you that, but don't worry. The, the one that renews your mind is here to, to make all that right, and he's pulling that out of you. And I thank God for that. And each one of us can testify. I used to think it was this way, but then the word proved something different. I used to think it was this way, but then the word proved something different. And the only reason why your eyes can see that the word proves something different is because there's an eyes of understanding and ears that can hear him. Because he stand at the door, knock of your heart, and you've opened up and said, Lord, come in. Kick your shoes off, make your bologna sandwich, lay up in my bedroom, Lord, whatever you need. Lord, have your way, whatever that looks like. I'm not going to be all puffed up and say, God, you won't do that in me. No, God, you have your way. You have your way. Like I said here just recently, if God's got to tear you back down to nothing, to just bust you back down to the potter's will, God, take over. If that's what I require, it's going to hurt. I'll admit it, but Lord, do it. I done told you so many times that I've told him, if there's anything between me and God, do not be gentle, rip it out, kicking and screaming, because I know he'll heal anything that comes out. So to be able to speak of the rapturer being here, that uh, all these years, out of all these years, we're looking over 4,000, 6,000 years now of a human being being upon this planet and being able to look at a word or hear the voice of God and, and the different reactions to it. The different reactions to it. You think about the first time this word was ever spoke just a few years after he stands at the door and knock, after John had wrote that down. And they come back and they're reading these writings from his time spent in prison on the Isle of Patmos. And, and wait a minute, you're saying that he's on the outside of his church and he's saying that he stands at the door and knock and that if any man will come out unto him, where would they come out from? All the while sitting in chains of, I think it's Psalms 105 or 106 that he delivers you from chains or affliction. <clears throat> 
and affliction. So you think, well, I was in chains. Well, I was in a prison. I was you know, interred up here at um, pick a prison. But no, no, you got chains of affliction too. You got chains of complexes. You got changes of offenses and grudges and resentments and bitterness and all those things that change you down. But he's still a chain breaker. Still a chain breaker. So for him to come present, for him to make himself known, there's going to be a purpose. And we shared that purpose with you on Sunday, that threefold, threefold purpose of God, what he wants for your life, for his body, for his church. And I'm not, again, using that word as the organized, uh, we have a headquarters here at church, but a set aside, a called out, a picked, a chosen, a, 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 uh, a, a part of his passion. Call it like that, a part of his passion, because we believe that Ephesians talks about you being a member of the body of God, and you're fitly joined together, and you're very particular to him. And he would say, maybe even a member's in particular, that, that that's how he thinks of you and, and equates your position and your walk with God. And, and you're over thinking, man, I, I barely made it today. I don't know if I'll make it tomorrow, but then the next day, I can't believe I made it today. Maybe I'll make it tomorrow. And, and you, but all the time, you're a bride of Christ. All the time, you're wondering, oh, I barely made it today. No, you're going to make it all the way through. Now, in your own strength, in your own flesh, there are going to be things he struggled with, and you fall flat on your face. And, and he talks about what he liked so much about David was he'd fall on his face, he'd get up and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me, I was wrong. I, forgive me, I was wrong. I've still got things I've got to surrender to you. He said, that's my seed right there. That's my daughter. That's my child. That's my son. Keep walking closer. So, the rapturer, the voice of this day, and, and let's turn over to chapter 4, verse 1. To be able to, to pinpoint yourself in time, because we are creatures of time, that you've got to see that, that you're not, the bride is not in the first through seven church ages. Uh, and people, some people struggle with those, but the bride is not in the seventh church age. She's not in the latest in church age. Uh, John was brought forward into the bride age. We're in Revelation chapter 4. This would be the bride age. He was called up higher yet. Now, as these were written down, uh, we understand that chapters and verses weren't put to them then. John, the, the Lord wasn't telling him, okay, now this is where chapter 3 ends. Put the period there with this verse. Now, here starts chapter 4. No, John's just writing everything he's seeing. Okay, I saw that. I I saw that, now I saw that, and then I stepped back and, whoa, behold, I looked and the door was opened. But he said, this church age ends, this church age ends, this church age ends, this church age ends. Now, where people get struggled with, we've got different people around the world today that, well, if, uh, if William Branham was the seventh church age messenger, then there's got to be an eighth church age messenger. See, and again, you've got to watch your types, you've got to watch your shadows, that that man was also a type of Eliezer. Brother Ram said, uh, just like Paul would say this, I heard him say this recently, that I have espoused you. I have espoused you. I, have, I've, I brought you to your husband and said, this is him. This is the one your soul longs for. This is the one your heart beats for. This is the one I've turned you to. So the messenger of this day would be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he said, my glory I'll share with none other. My glory I will share with none other. I heard a man preaching, um, just a you know, church world guy preaching recently, and, and he was talking about uh, the bequeathment of what you inherit. And, and as you find this, as you're going from the first church age through Revelation chapter 2, verses th chapter 3, that it comes to he that overcomes in this age, he that overcomes in this age, and you understand that it carries over, that promise carries over to each age, to what you gain. Now you would just happen to make something as plain as can be. You're at the end of the line. You're the full inheritor of the inheritance. That you're at the end of the line. So you get the white stone, you get the new name, you get the hidden manna. All that's what's available in your day. Everybody understands? 
that that's what's available in your day to the overcomer. And you think, well, I'm not I'm super, super woman or superman, muscle bound, uh, you know, warrior there is. I'm just a meek and mild and I just believe him. Then you'll overcome. Then you'll just overcome. So as it's coming down to the end of this time, you get down to the end of that age. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. This is the last thing given to the Laodicean church age. As Revelation chapter 3 ends up, he said to he that overcomes, to he that overcomes, to he that overcomes. And you even remember the question, no doubt pops up in your mind, that the mother of James and John comes to the Lord Jesus. Can my son sit with you in your throne? And the other disciples got mad that she requested that. That was just a mom that loved her children. She got mad or do you think they are trying to make them something no no i just want the best for them and i'm and i'm talking to the one right here right now she identified who he was and this same one that was asked that question of him is breathing into the mouth the the ears of john right here saying to him that overcome will i grant to sit with me in my throne and he had told them that place is reserved for someone very special that place of judgment, of mercy, of power, of authority, of godhood is reserved for someone very important. Someone with a character. Not just a personality, but with a character. Yeah, not just a personality, but a character that's been tried in the fiery furnace of affliction. Not let someone just make you mad. Burn them up, Lord. Destroy them, Lord. Burn them down. I was reading in one of the Psalms earlier, and someone had done something to David, and he said, I pray, God, you make his children fatherless. I pray you make his wife a widow. I pray you this. And I thought, well, that's kind of harsh, David. Not disputing the guy who's done something bad to him, but it just got real, 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 real fast. But he who overcomes will grant to sit with me in my throne. That's the last promise to that ending part of the church age. And then here we are in Revelation chapter 4. John said, the next thing I saw was a door was opened, not down. How was, how was it described in the ark that the window was up where? He said, a door opened. I'm looking around. I heard about a door. I heard about a door. I heard about a door. And I shared that with you about the pyramid that Enoch built, that the door is so perfectly cut and intricately designed and placed in the wall of the pyramid that you almost completely impossible to find it from the outside. It can only be found from the inside. What a coincidence that you can't find the door from the outside. You've got to find it from the inside. Satan works on the flesh. God works on the inside. Satan starts at the top. God starts at the bottom. God builds you up. God builds you up. So you find him right now. He said, look up. Look up higher. Look up above. And, and the prophet would tell us, he always talked about Abraham looking for that city where Hebrews talked about that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And Abraham's always sojourning and longing. Where's that city at? Where's that city at? Where's that city at? He wanted to know God. He wanted to have a more time in that presence. Can I, I tell you this, that, that if I'd have got an hour in the presence of Melchizedek and then three hours in the presence of Elohim, however long those times, I'd have been constantly longing for more. Longing for more. I only had 12 hours that day in his presence. Can I get 29 hours today? Can I, can I get more hours? Can I get more time? You feel the same way tonight? I want more time in his presence. I want more time. <clears throat> Lifted up into him. He looked and behold, a door is opened. A door was opened. And the first voice which I heard. The first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. As it were of a trumpet talking with me. Now you'll no, about, no doubt go back in your mind to Thessalonians and, and understand the rapture. You understand the coming of the Lord, the shout, the voice, the trump. 
The shout, the voice, the trump. The shout, the voice, the trump. The prophet in our day said all three things happen at his coming. All three things happen at his coming. So for William Brandon to be the seventh angel messenger, uh, he had his sounding forth. He had his catching of the attention. Uh, he had all the signs, the wonders, all those things to catch your attention. That way that as you're like sanding of a net, you're throwing the net out there and you're pulling in sometimes tires, sometimes muddy boots, sometimes, uh, you know, little fish, sometimes rainbow trout. And he had the dream about, you know, looking for that, how to fish for that rainbow trout, how to get that seed of God. That See, he also told Peter, I'll make you a fisher of men. And so as that's being sanded, and pulled back in he understands that the net is catching those who are not rainbow trout that are catching those that do not believe but the signs and the wonders no different than the 70 the 70 followed jesus they saw all that he did they enjoyed all that he did but once he started preaching doctrine this man's a vampire and a cannibal eat his flesh drink his blood no thank you so you have this man, this one stepping forth and that cry going out. And, and like I said that earlier, that, that a, a prophet, a, a preacher, uh, anyone that's Holy Ghost filled and, and has been called of God to be a mouthpiece for him, that you're literally nothing more than a, than a microphone. Nothing more than a microphone. As I speak to you right now, I can unplug this one right here. I can plug this microphone and you'll hear nothing coming through it. It has to have power. It has to be powered up. It has to be powered up. Come on, you with me now? Got to be powered up. There's coming one behind me that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There's got to have powered up, and you got to have a voice to step in and speak through it. Now, tonight, uh, Satan has been after my voice. Uh, these actual larynx, this actually voice vocal cords, Satan's been trying to give me, make me sick, make me have a head cold, have a, have a real bad headache, trying to shut me up where I won't be able to preach to you tonight. But Satan's defeated. Amen. He's absolutely defeated. Just the fact that I'm standing here tonight and not sick laying on my bed, he proves Satan is defeated. So even as, even as that man would step forward and God would again, just like Hebrews 1, that God would speak through his prophet. God would speak through a preacher. Anyone that surrendered to God, that God can speak through him. And you'll testify the same thing. You know there's things that's come out of this pulpit that I don't know about you, that you, I don't know that you're praying for, and that God has spoke to you while I'm standing here preaching. That ain't me. You know that's God. That's why you keep coming back. You're not here to say Sam Parker. You're here to see that voice, that same one. And John is telling about, I'm hearing a voice speaking that sounds like a trumpet talking to me. It sounds like a trumpet. And, and again, just to keep everybody on the same page where we're at, we're not in the seventh church age. We've come up higher than the seventh church age. Not into heaven yet, not in the heavenlies, but still picked up a little bit higher. So again, back to Abraham. He said, I long for a city whose builder and maker was God. The ram said he's always looking around, moving around for it. He had no idea it was a little bit above his head. Just a little bit up. And John proves it in chapter 4. He said, a door opened and I looked up. Not up in the sky, not way up in the sky, but it's in a higher dimension. It's in a higher dimension. You have your first, your second, your third time, light, matter, space right there. You have where we live, the fourth dimension. Keep climbing up. You have the fifth dimension. You have the sixth dimension. You have the seventh dimension. So you understand how all those work. So he's brought up into a higher realm. And there's a voice that's speaking. But all through, all through the Bible, you find that God uses a man. That God will speak to a human. And it's also, no coincidence, one of the hardest things God ever had to do was to get one man to believe another man. But yet God would, would make it that way. And I, I kind of touched on that Sunday about the foolishness of preaching. That any great polished uh, theologian or scholar would say, you know, a lot of folks used to come to Brother Branham, you, know, uh, you always use that word pulpit. 
You always talk about a pulpit. We think the people would appreciate you so much better if you'd use the word pulpit. Speak a little bit clearer, speak a little bit better English. He said, brother, those people, they don't care if I say pulpit or pulpit. All they care is I got the power to back up what I'm saying. That's all you care about tonight is that the life, that same power of God is here to back up his word. And God, God always vindicates his word, always vindicates his word. And, 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 and I, I keep, you notice even the things that are being said tonight that have put you right now where we're at in our scripture. Because this is a very personal, very, very personal, uh, uh, not just timely, but very personal experience right now where our brother John, as a type of you, is standing right now in that moment. And each one of us to be able to move backward and forward from those dimensions while sitting in the same room. Because your body is chained to this dimension temporarily. Your soul can pass back and forth. You can receive fruit from the other side. You can receive revelation from the other side. And you can slide into that, that Shekinah glory. And you can start, God deal things with you that you can't explain out of your normal body. You can't explain the things that you felt. You can't explain the things you understand. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. So he's standing here just as you are right now in that same moment. And again, the same one that is the I am, the same one that fills all time and space, that is the same one that stood there and told Martha those words that I am the resurrection and the life. And to prove it, here years later, John is standing there, brought up into the third heaven, brought up into higher places, brought forward to our day. He looked behind you to see the church ages. He looked behind to see what God done. Now he's brought in the church days the eighth day and standing here seeing exactly what God has for his people in this hour now what makes it so special about uh, this day being different from that day this day being different from Abraham's day this day being different than when Job was alive or Micah was alive or Nahum was alive is that God has built everything to a point to a place I have some right here to a point to a place where that he's got a a such a uh, a, a faith bank built in the hearts of a believer such a a certain body that's been built in from grandfather to great grandfather to great grandmother as the prophet would say that that your body now you you can as the word the voice of God comes through you as that same voice of God comes through you that you have a very particular sound that just like the making of a bell through metallurgy and you were looking for a certain thickness or curl or of a bell to make it sound a certain way God has designed you to sound a certain way because it's now your turn for that voice to operate through his bride now, as this works and as this becomes clearer, you can look back through your life and all the things you, you failed God and you fell flat on your face and, and you think about the scars and the complexes and all, all the chains that had you down to a certain way. Yes, it was intended for a purpose. Yes, it was through mistakes. Yes, you had sold a seed. I understand all that. But it was also not wasted in the eyes of God. God used that to make a character that would mold into his own character that when he would speak, you would say, exactly what he said not God said this 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 not this not this 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 not this not this it's every single word now I've shared that with you what God loves so much about Elijah that spirit of Elijah that he used five times of Elijah Elisha John the Baptist William Branham and then Revelation chapter 11 when Moses and Elijah come back there during the tribulation what God loved so much about the spirit of that man is that God would speak And he would say exactly whatever God said. Can you imagine that? Now, I'm sure each one of you, you ever had God speak to you? You ever had God tell you to say something to someone else and you didn't want to say it word for word? 
I get my hand up there. You didn't want to say it word for word what he said. I'm guilty of that. And you choked it. Imagine God being able to move through you in such a way you said it word for word, inflection for inflection. This is what you'll be. This is what the bride of Christ is. This is the way God can move through you. This is, uh, like I say, as, as often as I possibly can. It never was meant to be just the word made one flesh. It's now meant to be the word made many flesh. The same word in his many-membered bride body. The restored bride tree of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, visible in this day. Producing fruit. Flourishing. Arms stretched out like a bay tree. As he said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. She says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give thee rest. The Song of Solomon, it, it talks about the, the, uh, the communion and that, that expression between a husband and his wife and between a love and the lover. And it's not meant to be dirty. It's not meant to be illicit. It's not meant to be in a sexual lust. But it's, it's about that longing of a soul. And, and you find that between him and you, how that your soul longs for him. And he, he talks about that, that, that in the Song of Solomon, the Shulamite girl says that I can see him to the lattice. I've got my walls built up. I've got all these things. That, that, that keeps me from him and, and he's such a gentleman he sees the walls between me and him he sees the fences that I've got built up so he can't get in and he just stands there patiently outside of your door knocking I'm right here I'll give you another chance tomorrow I'll give you another chance tomorrow the most special precious being there ever been standing there so patiently and I shared that with you recently. I saw that, how that, uh, I don't remember where it was at exactly, but they, somebody said that, that what patience actually is, is your attitude while you wait. He's been waiting a long time for you. He's been waiting a long time for you, and he's very patient. He's been very patient with me. He should have destroyed me a long time ago. He should have given up and walked away from me a long time ago. But such mercy, such mercy. Back to the voice. This, I looked, and a, a first voice which I heard, the first voice <clears throat> while I heard. Each one of us here tonight, are, are, we have our own uh, very differing, how do I say that, very uh, distinct experience with God. Different. You have two people sitting side by side, they both had two different experiences with God. An experience with God, you had a different experience with God, you had a different experience. Each one had a different experience with God. And the first voice that you heard as God was, uh, maybe as Solomon, as Solomon would say this, as he was wooing you. As he was wooing you, that voice as he's calling out to you. Uh, that Whether it was through uh, speaking through whatever it might have been, because God can use anything he wants. God can use anything he wants. He used a donkey one day. He used a donkey one day to save a prophet's life, rolled him up next to a fence to try to rub his leg up to where he would not actually do what God was actually going to let him not to do. Balaam was going to go do what Balak wanted, and God did not want that. He was a false prophet as far as a gift being on someone that wouldn't be surrendered. But he's still trying to spare his life. So as that voice is being speaking to you, whether it was through uh, something on the radio, something through a TV, something through whatever it might be, even as randomly and coincidental, just, uh, just as, uh, I'm running out of words, just as odd as can be, something caught you, something grabbed you. Uh, there was a, um, Brother Ram used to tell a story about a billboard that you drive down the road and it had one word across the billboard, just one word. And it would say this with a question mark. Hungry? Remember him sharing that on tape? Hungry? 
And he said, you might have been thinking at the time, I'm not hungry. I'm okay. I'm all good. And once you see that sign, you're like, boy, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. But then you think God wouldn't use a billboard? Does he own it all? Is he able to accomplish his will in you? Is that true or not? He can accomplish whatever concerns you, that he can make your word be changed on a billboard for five seconds if he needs to? Is he God or not? Does he keep that sun burning every second or not? Is he that intently uh, invested in your life or not? I think about all the coincidences that have happened in this world, how a man got up one day and was supposed to put up one sign on a billboard and, and he messed up and he put the wrong sign up there. Then someone drove by and they fixed the sign. It's no big deal. But God maybe had a purpose for it. God has all things in control. All things. Don't let Satan trick you to think that he's got a trick up his sleeve, got something. No, Satan is a dog on a chain. He's on a dog on a chain and God uses him to accomplish his will all day long. All day long. Users accomplish his will. So the voice that was speaking, again, no different than Martha, no different than John right now, is the very same voice that's been wooing you your entire life. The very same voice that's been wooing you, that's been speaking to you, that's been longing for you, that has been doing everything it can to get your attention, to keep away from the distractions, get away from the, the nonsense of life so that you might hear him. This very same voice is God speaking. Now, God uses angels. God uses prophets. God uses whatever God needs to do, but it's God's intent and purpose. <clears throat> Lucifer didn't want to carry out God's intent and purpose, so he was cast out. You understand that? He, he, didn't care, he didn't want that. He didn't want to do what God said, so he was cast out. So that means at least two-thirds of the angels are still there to do his intent, will, and purpose. And they're happy to do it. Happy to do it. So if God needs to speak through an angel, just like he stood there with a flaming sword of fire against Balaam there and the donkey to go on to do what Balak want, God will do it because God is looking for you. God's wanting something from you. I hope this is very simple tonight. I hope it's very, very, very plain. I hope you see something at the end of it, though. That is this voice that was speaking to him. Again, I hear a voice. And that voice that I heard was as it were. So he's trying to describe that it's almost like a trumpet talking to me. But it says, come up higher. Come up hither. And I will show thee things. I will show thee things. I will show thee things. Come up. I'll show you things. Now, no matter who that was, whatever angel it might have been, that angel was only speaking exactly what God wanted spoke. So the eye there is even if it's being conveyed from one angel to another angel, I promise you it's word for word, inflection upon inflection. The great I am told me to tell you, and he told you to tell them, and he told you to tell them, to go tell them. If that's what it's got to be, I promise you, it's word for word. Come here. I'll show you things much be hereafter. I will show thee things. Again, back to the purpose that we talked at on Sunday. His threefold purpose was that he would reveal himself to you. You. Not just the one beside you. Not just us as a body. But you specifically. He said, and immediately I was in the spirit. I was in the spirit. And behold, the throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Again, the world, the church world, Satan has had such marvelous success at tearing down who God is, tearing down what God is, and most importantly in our day, tearing down where God is. See, God is one. He is one. The scripture makes this very clear, very clear and very plain. Joshua would say it like this, and then it's echoed in the New Testament. Hear you, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. 
Now, this was recorded before David wrote in Psalms 110.1, My Lord said unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand, thy name be made thy foot still. That was still, still the truth that he's one Lord. That he's one Lord. He's talking about an attribute. He's talking about an aspect. He's talking about a, a way that God got something done. It's not two different people. It's not two different lords. It's not two different persons. It's not three different personalities. It's one. And, and, and again, I, I'm wearing this out so you understand the one that's wooing you, not the three that's wooing you. I, I was, didn't finish that earlier talking about the, the, the preacher I heard that was talking about how the, the father and the son were working out what all you were bequeathed, all that you were to inherit. And he was saying how that, that God had told the son, you're going to give him this and give him this. You're going to bequeath him this. He said, but don't wait. He said, the Holy Spirit, he's a third person. He's an extra guy, someone else. And he has a part too. He wants to play in there as well. And what the guy is saying sounds very nice, but it's opposite of the scripture. It's opposite of the scripture because the intent there is to make it three different people. Now, when you have three different people, you have three different purposes. So, for example, you take three Holy Ghost filled people out of this room, but in your flesh, you had a different purpose than the next person, the next person, just about the you know, way the door should be open, the way the door should be locked, the way you would walk up the center aisle. You have a different purpose because you're a different person. But when you're dealing with one person, there's one person, there's one will, there's one purpose, and there's one voice. One voice coming from one place. The life of God. The Zoe light and life of God. Time goes away. You know what? Let's, let's just pause right there. I might get back to it on Sunday. Jump back to Psalms 104. I want to read something to you. Psalms chapter 104. verse one sorry charity you can't read my thoughts i'm sorry about that psalms chapter 104 verse one bless the lord O my soul O lord my god i I don't i I said that very very fast let me slow that down a little bit because i want to i want to pick up the commas bless the lord comma O my soul period no ifs, no ands, no buts, blessing. Oh, my praise to be perfected in his sight. Oh, Lord, my God, comma, thou art very great, semicolon. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light? That's, thyself is italicized for uh, impact. Who coverest thyself with light? Now, uh, you know, he's not the sun. He's not the moon. He's a light that's existed way beyond them, that shines in a, in a purpose way beyond them. That light is something that he created. It's a part of his attribute. Air is something that he created. It's a part of his attribute. But he covers himself in light. So you imagine a being that could move through sunlight, that can move through eyesight, that can move through uh, sound waves, um, uh, light waves, however all those waves you want to, and yet still can be undiscernible to you. I say it like this. The Holy Ghost has moved through this room already several times as the pillar of fire. And many of you didn't see it. You sit in the same room as the rest of us. You didn't see it. But yet it is. You know that same pillar of fire that's on that picture is right in this room right now? I believe that with all my heart. 
that same pillar of fire that's in this room right now. So as this is coming forward to you, you understand that any question you have, any need you have could be met right now, right? You understand that? So, well, if I could, Job would say, if I could just go up to his house, if I could just go knock on his door, if I could just bring my request to him and maybe he'd hear me. He's right here right now. He said, you cover thyself with light as with a garment. You put on light as a garment. You know, one way it was described was he put on fire as a garment. That he just clothed himself in fire. Daniel said, I looked at his throne and fire just proceeds out of the front of it. Just a flame of fire that goes out. Everywhere you look is just a flame of fire. He covers himself with light. And with a garment who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Like a curtain. Again, no such thing as a coincidence. There's no such thing as a duplicate snowflake. No such thing as a duplicate cloud. They're always different. So is God the same yesterday, today, and forever or not? Every day, I like to think of it like this. He takes his great big etch-a-sketch and draws you new ones. Every day. And when people walk around, there's no such thing as a God. This is all coincidence. He moves in clouds. He expresses himself in clouds. God loves art. He loves art. And you look at the sunrise. That's nothing but a work of art every single day. The sun set. All the clouds that moved through. Just the clouds last night as the sun was setting. We was east of Augusta. It was beautiful. The purples and the pinks. And, and it was on the east side, not on the west side. It was just the handiwork of God. Stretches forth the skies like a curtain. You know, you've seen a curtain like that. Here's your next one. And we're just like this. You know, I don't know. God even sees me right now. I'm just struggling. And he's like, just look up. Just look up, John. Just look up, John. See the, the, the work of my hands. See what I've done for you today. See what I've done for you this exact second. And we're like, oh, I'm just struggling. Just look up. Just look up. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. See, I, I am so enthralled and just entranced by that conversation with Nicodemus. I think about that so frequently. Where'd the wind come from? See, this isn't just someone saying, you know what? What do we do? Oh, what can we give as an assembly, as a synonym, as something to, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, the wind blew by. Let's see the wind. Let's see the wind. Let's see the wind. No one is low. He's like, I know where every current goes, everywhere I send it, every single day. No, it's just Kansas. That's just Kansas. Remember what Saturday was like? They said it was going to be windy from 11 to 7. 11 a.m. to 7. It's pretty close on that. By 8 o'clock it was done. But, but 11 to 7 to knock you down. But every single wind current of every single second, he sent it. And he also knows where you'd build your house. He knew where you'd build your building. You've got to take those things into, 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 you know, into consideration. If you're sending something this way and there's something to obstruct it, you've got to go around it. Oh, he's oh, man, I missed my target. Let's try again tomorrow. No, no, no. He knew exactly where. You understand? It's, he's that intricate. He's that specific of every split second of your day. You know, we're just in our tests and our trials, and I don't see God moving in my life today. Just look up. <clears throat> Who maketh his angels spirits. Maketh his angels spirits, his ministers, his ministers a flaming fire. His angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. Again, getting one man to believe another man, especially through the, the foolishness of preaching. Isn't it amazing that God would choose that way? 
But God chose that way. Thou coverest, who laid the foundation of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. That it should not be removed forever. Now, a lot of people say, well, that proves that God's word contradicts itself. He used the phrase, such as heavens and earth will pass away, my word will never fail. He used the word, such thing as by the earth being burned off and destroyed, that it one day will be destroyed. You understand what it means. He's not going to utterly destroy the planet. He's going to burn it off. He's going to burn off anything that had a mark of sin to it. It will all be burned with fire. Every single uh, trace element of sin will be burned with fire. But the foundations thereof will stand as long as he requires them to stand. A lot of people struggle with that as well. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The deep, the abyss, the waters, the ocean that are almost unfathomable how deep certain abyss, the Mariana Trench and different things like that. And God said, I'm going to take that water and I'm going to put it right there. As the, uh, as the atoms and all those molecules and all that explosion was happened uh, 4,000 years ago in the end of the living flood, and God was breaking all those fountains of the deep up. He was bringing that ferment down from heaven. You had water coming out of the ground. You had water coming down from the sky to destroy uh, someone that was cursing God to his face, that, were, that was trying to uh, you know, pervert everything that God has. And he said, I will wash this world clean. As he's breaking that up, Again, he's pulling that water up out of the deep. He's pulling that ferment down from the top and put it exactly where he wanted it. To a pinpoint. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be tough to figure out how many billions and billions of gallons of water that is. I can't even slosh a cup around straight. But he can put it exactly where he wants it. He said he covers the deep as with a garment. The deep is, so is he able to accomplish what concerns you to this day? Covers the deep with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. And at thy rebuke, at thy rebuke, they fled. What does that look like? You have a flood. 40 days, 40 nights. Water out of the deep, water down the top. There are no mountains anywhere. Anywhere there's no mountains. No land can be seen on this planet. Think about the gravitational anomaly to even that. You now have gravity that works through magnetic cores and all that, but now that magnetic pull and all that is now covered up with so many trillions of gallons of water. It starts to diminish things. Water changes the pull of gravity through pressures and things like that. Drop yourself in the bottom of the ocean. What does that do to you to crush the inside out? It kind of changes how it affects. And now he said he looks down and at his very rebuke, go. They, no, they fled. They fled. So when you couple that with the children at the Red Sea shore, just a couple thousand years later, they're standing there. The prophet says it like this. They had a need. They stood there with a need. God was delivering them from their persecutors. He was delivering them who had beaten them and and done all those terrible things, had delivered them from that. And they come up to the next test, the next hurdle, and they think, oh, God's forsaken me. And, And he brought us out here to die. And we'd have just been better off to die in Egypt than to be slain right here. They're, they're not talking to Moses. These words are just going to Moses. They're not being brought back as a uh, suggestion box for Pharaoh and the way you not to let people go or the way to have complaints about something your Elohim does. No, these words are reaching the ears of God. And he says, no, 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 no. I keep my word. And the prophet said he looked down with angry eyes and the sea got scared and rolled back. Amen. Got scared. At thy rebuke they fled. Move. 
the creator, move. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. There's a voice again. There's a voice. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. They went where he put them. This is water. We all drink water. We all see water. All of us have been near water. Right? And you're made up of at least 70% plus of water. That, that argument, you know, 3%, 2%, 75%, depends on who you want to talk to. But everybody knows about water. And he put it exactly to the place where he found for them. Now, everybody still follow me? Uh, we're using something that each one of us see. Each one of us have watched move. Who's all seen a, a flowing river? Who's ever seen a waterfall? You see this going exactly where God wants it to go. Right there. Promise of the resurrection right there. Same one that's standing there keeping his word. I can see that he's keeping his word, that it's going where he said it's going to go. But will I take a rapture? Will this old body put off corruption and put on incorruption? Will this old body be changed in his presence? Will this old body? I've been reading a lot of, you'll notice in the last few weeks, a lot of very simple, uh, very simple uh, processes of resurrection and rapture. That it's not just your body, that it's not just your spirit, but it's also your mouth. It's your head, your, your, the way you think. The way you have complexes, the way you have offenses, it affects everything of that because you will not take a rapture with a character that's not perfected in the fiery furnace of affliction. You will not take a rapture backbiting your brother. You will not take a rapture backbiting your sister. You will not take a rapture going house to house, talking, tattling, and those things. You won't take a rapture having a bitterness against someone. You won't take a rapture having offense against. You will not take a rapture. Don't let Satan deceive you. But let God encourage you. God knows the things we struggle with. God knows the scars we have. God was right there when that thing was done to you. He was right there when that was said to you. He was right there. It hurt his feelings too. But he knew you had to go through it. Because he can't push you through a four-inch pipe, pick you up on the other side and say, great is the overcomer because you ain't overcome nothing. Fiery furnace of affliction. That character must be like gold tried in the fire. So at the end of the day, you only express his attributes. Thou said abound that they might not pass over, that they not turn, that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They, he, they give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven which have their habitation which sing among the branches. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation which sing among the branches. Solomon would say that, well, Jesus quoted Solomon that all the the lilies of the field, how they toil, how they they don't toil, they don't spin, but they're clothed in such beauty and such array that that it's just almost out of this world. And and God does that for them every day, every day. And he's talking about that that even the fowls of the earth, they can sing among those branches, among what God has for them. You're just one part of God's creation. Who is it? Um. Brother Brown made a statement one time. It's about a story that someone had said about two robins. Two robins had been watching a guy in his house one day. And that one robin leaned over to the other robin and said, Do they not have a heavenly father that cares for their every need? Do they not have a heavenly father that, that grows food for them, that allows them to breathe? Do they not have a heavenly father that meets all their needs? And the other robin says, I know we do. I thought they did too. <clears throat> Amen. He watereth... <coughs> The hills from his chambers. Now this gets where really interesting. He watereth the hills from his chambers. 
watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. What's your body made out of? Earth, dirt. Are you satisfied with the fruit of his works? The earth is satisfied. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth fruit out of the earth. And wine, I love this, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth men's hearts. That sound familiar? The wine of Revelation, the oil of the Holy Ghost, that bread of God, that, that very bread, which is the word of God, the wine, the stimulation of revelation is that new wine of God as the Holy Ghost breathes and understanding or a revelation in your heart. And it's coming from the very hand of God, which that's what we live by is every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You're also called by the scripture of trees of the field. You're called the trees of the field. That's why I remember exactly which scripture it is. The trees of the field, they'll clap their hands. They'll lift up praise to him. They'll give him glory. The trees of the field, verse 16, are full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted. Full of sap. Not dried up, not dead, not brittle, but flexible and swaying with the winds of the Holy Ghost. Full of sap. Where the birds make their nests, as for the stork, the fir trees are her house. Now, jump back to the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, we're going to jump straight to this verse and then try to backtrack into chapter 1. But I want to drop right on this exact point. Ephesians 2, chapter 1. Everything that I just read to you of what God takes such, uh, such care and God takes such uh, uh, effort to keep and hold this world by his hand. And you all understood that. And maybe it seemed tiring or boring because I kept going on and on about the trees and the fowls and the grass and the waters. And maybe it didn't seem something you want to hear while you're tired on a Wednesday night. But keep all that in your mind as I quote to you chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened. You. I'm not longer talking about the fowls of the air, not talking about the branches, not talking about the trees of the field, I'm not talking about the, the water. You have he quickened. He chose you to set on fire by the Holy Ghost. He chose you to pick you up and set you in heavenly places, which is Revelation chapter 4. He chose you that he would make his abode in your heart, your life. He chose you. He predestinated, forelected, foreknown, chose you before the foundation of the world. Uh, as we get into this, he talks about, as we get to, I think in chapter 1, that he keeps talking about in him, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. He was thinking about you in him. He picked you in him. He chose you in him. He's perfecting you now in him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he said, as he is, so are you. He said, because I live, you live also. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And you hath he quickened. I was dead in my sin and trespasses. He made me alive. I was dead in my sin and trespasses. I'm guilty of a lot of things, but he has quickened me. You sit here today because you testify in my life that he has quickened me. I'm not just trying to pull a con or a bluff over on you. You can look at me. You can talk to me. You can fellowship with me. And you can see quickly that I'm not the guy I was. He has quickened me. He has changed me. 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by the very nature of the children of wrath, even as others, but God, but God, but God said she won't stay that way. He won't stay that way. I guarantee it. He said, I guarantee it. She will not be that way. I will have me a bride without spot, blemish, wrinkle, any stain. But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is Revelation chapter 4. The believer's position in Christ. The believer's position in Christ. That's what Brother Ram said, the heavenly places. Brother Ram, what are the heavenly places in Christ? Oh, just the believer's position. You're, just your position? Just, just my position? You know, the Old Testament is the New Testament, Old Testament. That talks about, I think it's the New Testament, that talks about the order of chairs at a, uh, at a function, at a meeting, at a gathering. Say, for example, we have a big table set up, long table wide, and, and the, whoever the, the, the host is, is at the head. That it depended on how that you would come up and where you would take your seat, depending on what kind of character you had. If you thought you were something and you come up and sit right beside the king and the king's like, well, you know, I actually wanted you way over there. And then someone else who took the lowest seat right away. No, no, we want you up here because this is your place. He looks at you and says, no, no, you're mine. Come here. You're mine. Come here. That voice calls unto you. Come unto me because I live. You live also because I live. You live also. Raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I wish I had time to get into the, the parable of the wedding guest of the, of the call of the marriage supper. Jump back to chapter 1 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. We're trying to find a place to stop. But God willing more abundantly to show his grace. But God willing. I can't get up past those words. Willing more abundantly to show his grace, a God rich in mercy. Chapter 1, verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him. Now watch this. This is what I was talking about, all the in hymns and the in hymns and the in hymns. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So we have a quote on the board. Um, is that a church order that talks about you being predestinated? That he has predestinated you? I think I believe a lot of people that don't understand that they've actually read the New Testament and don't believe in predestination. You look, you look just as shocked as I do. They don't believe in predestination. They don't believe in foreknowledge. They don't mean him choosing and having a bride that he has made for himself. They don't believe that. But right here in verse 5, are you reading the same thing as I am? That predestinated, you know what the word predestinated means? Before it actually happened, he said it was going to happen. Oh, well, he just knows the end from the beginning and he knew what would happen. He did because he picked you. That's where foreknowledge comes in. That's where chosen before the foundation of the world comes in. That means set aside, picked. We, We talk what a church means. What the word church actually means is set aside. It's what it's supposed to mean. Not organization, not denomination, but set aside in him. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. 
We were in himself. Now it's to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. We covered Sunday again what his purpose, what his will, what his threefold mystery is. Now we're talking about his pleasure. This is what makes him smile. This is what makes him happy. This is what makes your God love you more. To the good pleasure of his will, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, he has made us accepted in the beloved. In the beloved, in him. Who's the beloved? In him. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us. Wait, now he's letting you know. He knew, but now he's letting you know. Made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. Again, there's his good pleasure. It means it makes him happy to share his will with you. And you're his will. According to his good pleasure, he hath purpose in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, as right now, it's what John saw in Revelation chapter 4. Dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one. Remember Revelation chapter 4, there was one that sat on the throne. It's in italicized. And John said, one sat on the throne. And now Paul is saying right here that he would be gathering together in one. I'm reading the same Bible I'm reading. In one. That doesn't mean just one group. Just one church. That means he gathers you into himself. Gathered together in one. All things in Christ. Both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. There it is again, in him, even in him. Which again, First Thessalonians 4, those that are asleep or in the grave will not hinder or prevent them that are awake. That rapture, that change will not hinder or prevent them that are awake. Which are on earth, even in him. Which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All things, even you. All things to the amount of revolutions the sun goes around the world, that the sun, the sun spins, that everything goes around the sun. All things, the amount of gravity that it takes, the amount of water flow upon it. All things according to the counsel of his own will. Every time you get up in the middle of the night, every time you roll over in the middle of the night, every time something happens to you, every time you have something to do, after the counsel of his own will, you're not alone. You're not alone. All things after the counsel of his own will that we should, here we go again, be to the praise of his glory. Be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted after you heard, you heard, you heard the word of truth. After that you heard the word of truth. We read that to you on Sunday about every man speaking good to his neighbor. Speaking good word, good truth, speaking truth to his neighbor. He said, in whom you also trust after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also that you have believed after that ye believed because you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That Holy Spirit of promise is the seal of your redemption. It's the promise, the guarantee uh, from the guarantor of the resurrection of your body change, of your rapture, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. See, Paul was a prophet. 
Paul tells you about being caught up into the third heaven and seeing things that he couldn't even write down. 14 years later, he said, I don't know if I was in a dream. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know what it was, but he saw you there. And he said, I've been praying for you and not ceasing to give thanks for you ever since. That seems strange. But Ram goes beyond the curtain of time and he tells those people there, he said, I saw you there. He said, millions and millions come running toward me, my precious brother. My precious brother. And they told him that if you had not have went, if you not have done what the Lord said and went, we wouldn't be here. That voice. Let's all stand on our feet tonight. <clears throat> you can see why Satan would feel the need to try to destroy that voice, to try to destroy that character, would try to destroy what God's, uh, the influence of that character. You would see why Satan would want to do that. Then why do you love him so? Why do you love what God did through that man's soul? None of us here even met him. But you love the man that God used him to, to speak to you. Because that was a voice that God spoke to you. It's changed your life. It's changed my life. It, it's, it's let me understand things that I've never understood before. It's done something to me on a... I don't know if I could yet say cellular level. But in my spirit, I could say cellular level. That I believe this word in a way that I never dreamed possible. That when I even go to share it with others, that they would even make a statement that it's as though you were there. Because I believe it. And it's a change. It literally is a change. It's a change in how you think, a change in how you walk, a change in how you understand. It's a change in how you believe. Because all doubt is being removed. And you simply see him, not as a liar, but he said, my promise is unto you. I sent my word and healed all thy diseases. I will meet every need. I will change your body. I've saved your soul. I've washed you in your own, my blood. I've loosed you from your sin. This is what he has said to you. Anybody heard of that voice? It's changed your life. There's nothing normal about you. We get in our tests, we get in our trials, and I say this all the time because this is the way the enemy comes at me. You ain't nothing. You ain't nobody. And I ain't nothing nobody. I ain't. I'll admit that. I am nobody. But he chose me. He is moving in my life. He's working in my life. Despite that, despite all that he's doing, Satan is still howling. He's still scratching. He's still trying to make me sick. He's trying to get into every relationship I've got. He's trying to tear down everything he can. But he's still a liar and he's still defeated. What are you playing? To you, to worship, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, oh, we lift
force again tonight. Oh, I'm crying.
Yeah. 
So, so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. Oh, you have led me through the fire. close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Oh, all my life you have been With every 
Jesus, Lord, how great you are, how sweet, how kind, and how special, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this place tonight. We thank you, Lord, for moving upon these hearts, Lord God, to, to give more of themselves to you. We thank you, Lord, for meeting these needs. Lord, you are our healer. You are the restorer. You are the binder, the breach. You're also our provider, Lord. You meet every need. There's not one thing beyond your control. There's not one thing beyond your capability. There's not one river too big, not one valley too wide. Lord, there's, there's nothing that you can't do. Lord, help us come to that full, complete realization. Help us to surrender all of our lives to you, Father, as we lay ourselves down at our feet, Lord, or we lay down any of the love of this world, anything that's contrary, Father, to what you have for us in our walk with you. Help us, Lord God. 
Lord, let this saturation, let this, let this fellowship with you tonight that we've had, Lord, only grow sweeter and greater and nearer, Lord, as our heart continues to beat. We live all of ourselves. We, we live our lives for you. We, we give all that we are to you, Father. We pray you'd have your way in us. Lord, I, I want to say how thankful I am to you, Lord, for what you've done for this assembly. Lord, it's, it's greater than anything that I could have ever asked or thought, Lord, and, and how precious you are, Lord. I, I've seen you move in the last few years for us, Father, greater than anything I've ever seen in all my life. I've only heard of such an experience with you, Father. And you let me to be there, Lord, to be able to partake of it and see how good you are and see how great you are and see how kind you are, Lord. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We love you. We worship you with all that's within us. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I, I know there's so many tests and trials and fiery furnaces each one of us have to go through, Lord, and it makes it hard when we see our brothers and sisters that we love going through those things. But, Lord, you know what's best, and you know exactly how to make an overcomer and how to make a conqueror, Lord God, and, and that's what your will is doing in our lives. And I pray you'd help us to yield and submit to it so we can get through it quicker. Lord, don't let us fight you. Don't let us be found being a foe against you, Lord. We want to be a foe for you. Have your way in our lives, Lord. And we want to say once again how thankful we are to what you've done here tonight in our lives. We appreciate you, Jesus. I ask that you bless all of our brothers and sisters, Lord God, all across this planet tonight, Lord, wherever they might be, whatever they might be doing, Lord, that you would so bless them in such a special way. What, maybe someone is walking down the road right now. Maybe someone's walking through a grocery store. Let your sweet presence and your anointing just slip up right beside them, Lord God, and let them know they've come near thee again, Father. Bless them, each one here tonight, Lord. Help us as we go our separate ways. Bring us back on Sunday, Lord, with even more love and joy in our heart to see what you have for us in this coming service, Father. Help us, Lord. We love you in your precious, precious name. Amen. Amen. Father of life, seated on your throne of grace, it's only by your mercy we are saved. Oh, and Lord, you have said that if we call upon your name, that we and our families would be saved. So we cry out your
Sure.